0: Any dirt on grant, I have it. I lived with him for four years in college. I promised him i wouldn 't tell any stories that would get him fired, but you can come talk to me after the service and we can chat but really I, this is kind of how it was in college. He just did everything I said, and he kind of served me and you know it was good times uh, but uh, really i don 't have any any bad dirt on grant, just funny stories and, and it 's good times but I'm I'm very thankful to be with you guys tonight. Grant said that you're kicking off your Christmas season and that the theme is an unexpected Christmas. And tonight I get to talk about the unexpected players in the Christmas story. When we think about the Christmas story, the first thing that we would think about as maybe unexpected players is maybe the shepherds or maybe the wise men or the angels or Joseph or something. But tonight we're gonna look at Matthew 1 which is the genealogy of Jesus. We're gonna actually be looking at Jesus' family tree. And I'm, I'm excited about this because, right now genealogies and ancestry is all the rave. Right now you can get your ancestry tested, and you can see where you came from. Has anybody done this? Anybody in here, no? I haven't done it either. But listen to this, on Black Friday, just last week, last week, right? Yeah, last week, last week, Ancestry DNA is a company that does this. They sold 1.5 million home DNA tests. That means that this Christmas, if people bought them for somebody else, maybe they're gonna take them now, but this Christmas, the people who got those tests are gonna take those tests, and that means that Ancestry DNA, two weeks after Christmas, is gonna get approximately 2,000 gallons of saliva. 2,000 gallons of saliva. I would hate to work there after Christmas. It would be horrible. You're sifting through spit all day long because people are so excited. I've never done one of these tests, but we have a guy in our church who last year, he's 75, his name's Bob Brown, and he has the thickest South Boston accent, and he is the most Irish guy you've ever met. 100% Irish, brags about it all the time. Last year, his wife, for Christmas gave him a DNA test. He took the test and the test came back and he was so excited to find out all this stuff about his Irish heritage. Zero percent Irish. (laughs) Zero. His family told him his whole life that he was Irish and he found out that he was zero percent. He's a hundred percent Italian. So, yeah, right? So his wife for Christmas gave him my identity crisis, right? That's what happened. And the truth is that all of us, when we take ancestry tests, if we were to go back and we were to look, we would find surprises in our past. We would find things that totally blew us away. My dad, I remember when he did our family tree, he kinda went through and went down. He found out that uh, we have in our family, family tree, at Plymouth, uh, the Plymouth uh, Colony, that we had the very first criminally insane person in America is one of my descendants. It's like, oh, okay, I didn't know that that was in my blood, but it's there. They said that he was sick in the head, and they separated him from the community. (laughs) That's one of my great, 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 great grandparents, right? But I know I'm not alone in that, because all of us, if we looked at our ancestry, would find rough stuff, would find hard things, and maybe it's not even as far back as the Plymouth Colony. I know that there's rough stuff in my family, even recently, you know, my my, uh, my dad's mom was abusive, and my dad had to work through that. And there was parts of my childhood that were really hard as my dad was working through that. He became a Christian later in life, realized that what he was doing was wrong, and, and there, was, there, was, there was hardship in my family. But everybody has hardship. That's why I'm excited that we're starting in Matthew 1, because Matthew 1, as the genealogy of Jesus, and Matthew wants us to understand what brought about this crazy, unexpected event that was the redemption of all of us, the hope of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to start, and we're going to look at Matthew 1. If you want, you can turn there with me if you have your Bible. If not, we've got it on the screens for you. Matthew 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. How many people have I lost? You're asleep. You just hear names over and over and over again. It's easy to kind of just get mixed up in it. But these are super important names. And before I go on, I really want to pray. So will you pray with me? Father God, anytime we open your word, it's important that we ask for your help. And so I pray right now, God, that you would help us, that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what you have for us in this passage. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So I was gonna read all 17 verses for you, but I realized that if if I were just to go, we would maybe begin to tune out. But Matthew has chosen names in here. There's 14 generations from Abraham to David 14 generations from David to the the exile and 14 generations from the exile to Jesus. And there's not 14 in each of those because Matthew chose to tell us specific names. He chose to tell us, he chose to highlight specific people, 14 specific people. And before I jump into some of the the craziness in this, I want to point out two two things. Number one is that that verse 1 in there, it says a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the Greek. The words that are in there is just Biblos, Geneseos. That word Geneseos, if it might ring a bell, because it sounds like Genesis. The book of Genesis is the very, very beginning of the Bible. And actually, what Matthew is doing right here is he's uh, linking the people who read this in the first century and second century, if they were reading this they would have read that and been like, oh my gosh, he's starting it the exact same way the Old Testament starts. Because the Old Testament starts in the beginning. And it tells a story of creation. Matthew starts with the beginning of Jesus Christ. And it's this really cool rhetorical device. And I think what he's trying to say, I think what he's alluding to is the fact that through Christ, all of creation is being remade. That through Christ's death on the cross, and what he did for humanity is a reversal of everything that's happening. He's bringing us back to that place where God created everything and said, it is so good. And I think he wants to draw attention to that. The second thing is he says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he wants to start by highlighting those two people because they're the two most prominent people in Jewish history. We have Abraham, who's the father of all the Jewish people and not just the father of the Jewish people, but the father of the Christian people as well. If you grew up in the church, then maybe you remember the song Father Abraham, which is a song that kids would sing and they would end up turning around and, and acting all funny and weird and. I really think that the only reason they sang that song was to get kids tired out so they'd sit quietly afterwards. But Abraham was the hero of the faith. But have you ever actually read the story of Abraham? Abraham is the first unexpected player in the Christmas story. See, God calls Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to go to the land I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna be your God and you're gonna be my person. And so he says, go. And Abraham goes. And as he's journeying, we're supposed to believe that he trusted God, but you know what? He crosses Egypt and he runs into Pharaoh. And when he runs into Pharaoh, he says to Pharaoh, oh, I'm Abraham. This is my, he introduces his wife, but he says, this is my sister. He introdu- he's so scared of Pharaoh that he introduces his wife as his sister and, and risks because he thought that Pharaoh would think his wife was beautiful and kill him so that he could have his wife. So he introduces him as a sister. Ladies, I don't know about you, but if your husband or boyfriend introduced you as, oh yeah, this is my sister, this is not a good thing, I promise. My wife, who's sitting right down here, she'd be pretty upset, upset with me if I introduced her like that. But it's a lack of faith by Abraham when, when God says, go, go. And not only is that a lack of faith, but we see in Abraham's life multiple places where Abraham just totally drops the ball and screws it up royally. And God says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham's like, I'm 80 years old. Are you kidding me? And, he, and he's like, well, I'm gonna, I promise I will give you one. And then times go by, time goes by and Abraham doesn't have a son. And so he decides to take matters into his own hands. And instead of sleeping with his wife to provide an heir, he sleeps with his maidservant to provide an heir. And he just messes up. He, he screws up. But, you guys, this is the first unexpected story of Christmas because we realize that in this mess, God was working. And Abraham is the beginning of the genealogy of Jesus, the hope That comes that will reverse all of the sin that will wipe away every tear from every eye. And the second one that he lists is King David. King David is probably the the second most prominent figure in Israel's history. The anointed king of Israel. The one who leads Israel in battle and who uh, takes control of the land and unites the entire kingdom together. And you would think that, if we're looking at the genealogy of Jesus, that David would be this hero that's like the champion and nothing bad ever happens, but that's not true. We look at the life of David and we realize that he made huge mistakes as well. When he should have been off at war, he stayed home and he saw a woman that he wanted for himself and so he takes her even though she's married and he gets her pregnant And after he gets her pregnant, he doesn't know what to do. And he's worried about what's going to happen when her husband comes home. So he has him killed. This is an ugly story. It's a messy story. And yet, it's an unexpected story of Christmas because it's in the genealogy. And not only is it in the genealogy, but Matthew makes specific mention. David, the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba. And I think Matthew wants to tie in that God does incredible things through the mess of people's lives. There's a third unexpected player, and it's actually players, and that is the four women, other than Mary, Mary's the fifth, but the four women who are a part of the genealogy of Jesus. There's four of them in there. It's Tamar, Ruth, Rahab, and Bathsheba, which we already talked about Bathsheba, so don't need to talk about her again. But Tamar, Ruth, and Rahab, I mean, they are women who have messy stories. First off, the fact that there's even women mentioned in a genealogy that's written at this time in history, you can look up history books from any other uh, uh, civilization at that time. There is no way they would have women in them. It's a patriarchal society. But Matthew lists the women. And I believe that this is because God values women. Even in a time when women were not valued, God valued women. And it's unbelievable to me that there's even women mentioned. It's so cool. So cool. And the second thing is about these women is that none of them are Israelites. In the Old Testament, Israel was this chosen people of God. And only only they were going to have salvation, right? Right? But that's not true. None of these women are Israelites, and they're listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Tamar, I mean, look at the story of Tamar. We did a, we did a series, or not a series, but, but a, a, a Sunday morning on, on Tamar and Judah, and we actually made sure that we dismissed all of the children and all of the junior hires, and we warned parents beforehand that we're doing this story, because it's not a story that you read in church which I think is messed up because the church is actually a place of just a bunch of broken people that Jesus has redeemed. And the story of Tamar is a redemption story, right? Tamar is married to Judah's son. And Judah, uh, his, his son dies. And so Judah gives his second son to Tamar in marriage, which is what he was supposed to do. There was actually a law set up to protect women that that when a woman's husband died, if there was a brother in the family, the brother was supposed to take her in and actually take her as his own and help provide an heir in the family. And so Judah gives the second son and that son dies too and then he does something bad, he doesn't give his third son to Tamar and he actually leaves her in a super vulnerable and outcast way. She would have been thought of as a nobody in the society. And she's put in a horrible situation. She's in this bad situation and then she makes some decisions that make it worse. She dresses as a prostitute and waits for Judah. And Judah makes a bad decision and decides to sleep with her. But then we look in here and we realize in the middle of this mess that it says Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Why put that in there? Unless you wanted to make note that God makes good things out of really bad circumstances, the unexpected story or the unexpected uh, marvel of Christmas is that Jesus was born out of a, a line of brokenness, a line of brokenness that he would redeem. And so now the question is and what I usually ask my congregation back home is so what? What do we do do with this? And the thing that that I think is the most important piece of application out of all of this is that our mess does not stop the goodness of God ever. Our mess does not stop the goodness of God ever. I don't know... What has happened in your family tree? I don't know what has happened in your past. I don't know what kind of things that have happened to you or decisions that you've made that weren't so good that have landed you in rough situations. But let me tell you this, your mess will never, ever stop the goodness of God. I tell my students, I I do some youth ministry back in my church, and I tell my students, that there's nothing they could ever do that would make God love them anymore, and there's nothing they could ever do to make God love them any less. And then I tell them this second part, which is, you are way too insignificant to screw up the plans of God. But you are way too important to not make a difference. And that provides me with serious hope. I'm way too small to mess up God's plans. He is way too big but I am way too important in his plan for him not to work in me and work in my situation to bring about his purposes. Which leads me to the second point of application that I think that we have tonight. And that is, if we believe that this is true, that God works in our brokenness, then we get to be the unexpected players in the story. Galatians... Uh, Galatians 3, 28 and 29, and I'm gonna have them, put, them up, put it up on the screen if you can't turn to it, but Galatians 3, 28 and 29 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That puts us right into the family ancestry. That after Jesus, that continued. And that you and I as members of the church and members of Christ's body, that we have a part to play in this. That we become the unexpected players. That we become the ones that God is using to bring about his purposes in the world. And that is an exciting thing. Christmas time can be a really hard time for a lot of people. It might be a really hard time for you. You may be heading into family situations where you're gonna get together with family and there's broken relationships, strained relationships. Maybe there's somebody in your family who's dealing with addiction. Maybe you're dealing with addiction. Maybe you're dealing with a loss. Maybe you've hurt somebody in your family. We get to enter into those moments, you and I, and we get to bring a joy and a hope knowing that Christ has redeemed those moments, and that God is working in those moments. God wants to use you to bring hope and joy into a moment like that, an unexpected moment of Christmas. He's done that in my life. I, uh, my wife and I, we have two beautiful daughters, one's six, one's three, and they are just, they're just the cutest, my daughters. I, I, I love, love, love being with them. But, you know, we've, we also have some pain in, in, our, in our family history, and that is that we've uh, lost two babies, two pregnancies. And I, you know, bef- before the first time that that happened, I didn't realize how hard that was going to be for me and how hard it was going to be for my wife. And it was a really dark time for us. And, and a lot of times I don't even really know how to, how to figure that out in my head and how to answer those questions. And there have been rough times. But the thing is, is one of those miscarriages was in between my two daughters. And I know for sure that if I had, if, if we had had the second daughter or had the second child, I wouldn't know my daughter Kaisa. Her name's Kaisa. It means little pure one. I wouldn't know her. And Romans four tells us that we serve a God, God is a God who brings life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. He brings life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And in that situation, I realized that God was at work in something that I totally didn't understand. Does that mean that it's easy? No. Does that mean it's okay? No, it's really hard. But in that moment, I know that God has brought life to the dead, that one day I will meet that baby. That that baby is jamming with Jesus in heaven, and I cannot wait to see that baby. He brings life to the dead, and he calls things that are not as though they were. And he brought Kaisa into this world. And Kaisa is going to do some amazing things. She's got the chubbiest little face. It's so awesome. (laughs) But I am so thankful for her, and I am so thankful for what – How my life has changed because of that. God is working in the messiness of life. And the biggest way he has done that is by giving us this unexpected baby, Jesus Christ. And we get to be the people who bring that message of hope this Christmas. Be the unexpected player in somebody's life this Christmas as you bring the message of hope to them. Let's pray together. Father God, you are so Good. You are so loving and you are so incredible that your sovereign will is working even in the worst situations. God, that you see our brokenness, that you see our past, and that you call something that is not, that is a mess, that is ugly, and you take it and you make it beautiful. Oh God, you are so great. And that in the midst of the darkness of this world, you brought Jesus Christ. A baby that could have come in the middle of a palace with the sound of trumpets, but no, God. No, Jesus, you came in a manger, in a stable. The most unexpected gift that we could possibly imagine. I pray, Father, that you would make us people who bring that message of joy to those around us. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.